0: I want to welcome you again to the Christian Church of Carl Junction. I'm so glad you joined us today. I'm so glad you're worshiping online with us uh, this morning as well. Here at the church in Carl Junction, we see two different kinds of people. Two different kinds. We don't make any division based on somebody's uh, skin color, language, ethnicity, economics, social status, education level. There's no division at all. However, we see two kinds of people. We see people who follow Jesus and people who need to follow Jesus. And that is it. Here at this church, because we believe the kingdom of God sees things the same way, we see people who follow Jesus and people who need to follow Jesus. This morning, we're continuing our Onward series, and we're talking today about the topic of baptism, because I believe that everything God has given us in His Word has built us to take steps of action, next steps of faith and belief. Baptism is what we're talking about, and baptism is critical. It's crucial for you because it is the transitional next step between somebody who needs to follow Jesus to becoming somebody who does follow Jesus. And I'm going to Offer an invitation now, and then I'll repeat it at the end. If you've never followed Jesus, if you're still in a category and you walked in and you're nodding along right now and you're saying, okay, I know, I'm, I'm somebody who needs to follow Jesus, or maybe you'd say, I'm somebody who doesn't follow Jesus, then I want to invite you right now to consider the words today because at the end of the message, I'm going to invite you to take a next step of faith to follow Jesus. If you've already been following Jesus, then I have a, next step, a challenge for you as well. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 3 to read of the Gospels. Let's pray. Father, I pray and I ask right now that you would speak to us out of your word. I believe your promise that when we gather together you're in our midst and you're present with us and so I, I believe you are already here. I don't need to invite you in. You've gathered with your people and I believe, Father, you have heard our words of singing, you've heard our prayers, you see our hearts, you know what we came in as, and Father, I believe you see us the same way, people who follow you and people who need to follow you. And I pray this morning that as as you interact with us out of your word, that you would let us hear the words we need to hear. I pray maybe everybody in here hears a different word from you today, but we need to hear it. Everybody online hears A different word. But Father, I pray that this morning, in this moment, lives would move from needing to follow you to fully following. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to be uh, in the New Testament. There's four Gospels to tell the story of Jesus Matthew Mark Luke and John We're gonna be in Matthews the first of the four chapter 3 if you don't have a Bible I say this every Sunday you've maybe heard it before I want to give you one today. We are a Bible giving church So these blue Bibles I have more at the next steps table Just stop by on the way out of this room and say I need a Bible if you're online today Email us right now and say I need a Bible and we will get one to you right away because we believe I believe that this holds the answer for every problem you will ever face in this life. In Matthew chapter 3, to set the stage, a little context for you today, Jesus has not quite started his ministry yet. At this point, Jesus, we know, has been born, laid in a manger. The shepherds were there. A couple years later, the wise men were there. A few years later, Jesus went with his parents to the temple. He stayed. They left. They were annoyed. They picked him up again that's about all we know. At this point, Jesus is about 30 years old. He's going to have a three-year-long ministry where he's going to call disciples. He's going to teach. He's going to preach, do miracles, heal people, embrace the outcast. But he hasn't done that yet. Matthew 3 is the very beginning of all these things. And in fact, for most of the text we're going to read, the spotlight's not really on Jesus. It's on John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin. And it's going to Gonna showcase his interaction with the people, his message and his interaction with the Pharisees, Sadducees, two ruling classes of people in the religion. And then Jesus is gonna show up at the end and make it such a beautiful story. A beautiful event. Matthew 3, verse 1 says this. In those days, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he's out preparing the way. He came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, John has a very specific purpose, and this is his purpose here in the next verse. It says, This is he, John, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John has a very specific purpose, and he's engaging it very intentionally. He's out in the wilderness to be a voice calling out, make straight the way for the Lord. He's calling people in mass numbers to come to the kingdom of heaven because as time moves on, the kingdom of heaven is drawing nearer. So we come to that. And he uses a word, repent. It's the word we use in church here. It means literally to change your thinking. If you thought one way and you repent, you change that thinking to do the opposite If you were somebody who uh, was living in some type of sin and you repent of that sin, that means that you change your thinking and you reject that sin and now you try and you submit to following the holiness of God. If you were somebody who had this habit and you repented of your habit, it means you would reject that habit and you would instead follow God. If you... If you had a temptation that overcame you all the time and you repented, of your giving you that temptation, you would reject that, resist that, and then follow the ways of God. That's what repent means. And so John goes out in the wilderness to intentionally fulfill his purpose, and he begins to preach that. Change your thinking, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he went around the place, preparing the people to meet Jesus, calling them to repentance to a kingdom, to a cause bigger than themselves or anything they'd ever known. That's what John did. John 4 is going to give a little description, or Matthew 4, I'm sorry, Matthew 3, verse 4, third tries the charm, is going to give a little description of John. And i got to preface it with John is a little bit of a weirdo. When you read verse 4, it says that John's clothes were made of camel's hair. That had to be comfortable, right? Made of camel's hair out in the desert in the heat. I don't know. And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. But John was a little bit of a weirdo. (laughs) Let Let me just step sideways a little bit. Slightly off topic, but I think it's an encouragement for us here. I have a tendency, and I'm guessing you do as well, because unlike John, we're normal people. And we have a tendency to really, really, really not want to stand out. We have a tendency to really care about what other people think of us. The the clothes we wear, the way we talk, the things we do, the places we go, who we go there with. We have a tendency to really care about what everybody else thinks because we just want to fit in and be normal people. But John he just kind of embraced his unique purpose and his singular cause. And he embraced what he was doing and he went out and lived in the wilderness, wore crazy clothes, preached a message, and baptized people. And he embraced his weirdness. And you know what happened with John? It says, the next verse on the screen right now. It says, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. People flocked to him. Not because he was normal, not because he was fashionable, not because he fit in, not because he was what they wanted to be, but because he had a message that was compelling. And he didn't care about anything else. And so he walked the pathless traveled. And he went out and preached. I want to just, on the side note here, I want to encourage you that when you go to work and school and home, even the church, neighborhoods, wherever you go, don't be afraid to be different. Remember, we see two-ass people, people that follow Jesus and people that need to follow Jesus. And people that need to follow Jesus, they're always going to look at followers of Jesus like they're a little weird. Because we do things different, we speak different, we, we spend our money differently. We embrace people that They wouldn't embrace. Don't be afraid. Embrace your weirdness as a follower of Jesus. And when you do, I believe your message of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, is so compelling that people will follow. And you can become a catalyst for kingdom growth. So embrace your weirdness. Back on topic here in the text. It says in verse number six confessing their sins now this is the people that came to see John confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River all right Jordan and the Jordan River. John baptized people who did one of two things one they confessed their sins and two they surrendered they committed to a kingdom cause repented of an old way of thinking and chose a new way of thinking You know, when I confess sin, if I, talking to my wife or talking to a friend or anybody, if I look one person square in the eyes and I tell them, you know, I'm a sinner, I did this thing, I wish I had not done it, and I regret that I did it, but I need to tell you I did it, because I need to confess it so I can change my thinking about it. That's a humbling thing to do. If you've ever done that, it's a humbling thing to do, to look somebody in the eye and say, you know what, in this area of my life I sinned, I messed up. God set a bar for me and I failed. And I regret it. I need to tell somebody so I can change the way I think about it and I can choose a kingdom that's better. That's humbling. These people here, they walked down in the river and they looked up at a crowd of people. Crowds of people. People they knew, they worked with, they lived near, they'd grown up with, and people they'd never met before. Like, they're all out there. And these people stood there and not looking one person in the eye but looking the whole crowd in the eye they confessed their sins. How incredibly humbling is that? Then they changed their thinking and committed to a kingdom. Baptism was a sign of humility and commitment for these people. Baptism is a sign of humility and commitment, saying, I am going to tell you how my past wasn't what I wanted it to be. My past wasn't as good as it could have been, and I have regrets, and I feel a little shame, self-imposed on that, and I want to tell you what it was because my past needs to go away. So I'm telling you, and I'm going to change my thinking so I can commit to a future that is far greater. That's what they're doing. A baptism of repentance, changing your thinking and committing to the kingdom is coming near." that's humbling, and that's empowering all at the same time. That's what John is doing in the river. He's baptizing person after person after person after person. And then, then he looks up the hills a little bit. In verse 7, he sees a crowd of people, another crowd, a new crowd, newcomers coming down the hill. It says he looked up there and he saw many of the Pharisees And the Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is the ruling leaders of the Jewish religion. These are the guys that held all the power in the community, they had all the influence. They told people what to do, and they did it. Snapped, and it happened. They moved things along. And they're coming down here, and John might look up and see them coming down toward the river and say, Oh, great, they're going to get baptized too. They're going to humble themselves in confession. Change their thinking and commit to a kingdom cause, but see he knows them by reputation. And so instead of saying, "Oh come on, come on, let's do it, let's do this thing," he actually looks up to him and says, "You brood of vipers." Now, I don't know where you come from, but that's not a warm greeting where I'm from. In fact, when I read that, "You brood of vipers," my my initial instant thought is to go back here to the beginning of the Bible. The first few chapters of the book of Genesis, the very beginning of everything, and I remember in there that in the beginning was the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden was was perfect. There was no sin in there. Nothing wrong in there. Adam and Eve are tending the garden, taking care of the plants, naming the animals, you're a giraffe, you're an ostrich, that weird thing's a platypus, and just kind of going along the way. Naming everything, doing the work. Then they would rest with God in the evening. Until one day. They were standing in the middle of the garden. There's a tree. There is one tree they can't eat from. And they're looking at it. So curious. And then all of a sudden this animal shows up to tempt them, to enter sin into the equation, in the form of a snake. And through the snake's lips, temptation came and sin entered the world. And now Matthew 3. When John is baptizing people who are committing to a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, he looks up and sees the religious rulers coming down the hill, and he says, You snakes. You are misleading the people, you are hurting the people, you are you are messing up God's plan for the people. You snakes. He says, "Who warned you of the come to flee from the coming wrath? Because if the kingdom of heaven, you know this, if the kingdom of heaven is going to bring life and victory and hope and eternity, then by definition, it's also going to bring judgment and consequence and wrath." And he says, "You snakes, you've been hurting the people who told you to run from the wrath that God is bringing to you." He says to them, "Produce fruit in keeping with repentance." And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. See, they descended from Abraham, the patriarch of the people of God. Don't say we have Abraham as our father. He says, I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He says, don't think that your last name makes you anything in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, in the kingdom of heaven and in the Christian church at Carl Junction alike, your last name gets you nothing. It gets you nothing. There's no favoritism. Your past, your influence in the culture, gets you nothing in this church in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter. There's no favoritism played like that. John says, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. In the kingdom, it doesn't matter what your last name is. Because when you, when you surrender, when you humbly confess your sin and you change your thinking and you commit to a cause and you surrender and submit yourself to the cause and the will of God the Father, your past doesn't matter anymore. It's taken away. And you walk out of the water with a new future. What matters in the kingdom of heaven is how you're producing fruit for the kingdom. Results. Our our mission here, we sum it up in one sentence. We say we want to glorify God by being disciples, committed, who make disciples, bearing fruit. That's what we do. We help people come, thrive, and go with Jesus. He says, your last name doesn't matter. Don't don't take refuge and think you're saved simply from where you come from because you've got a new identity now. John says, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Somebody far greater, he's talking about Jesus, you know. He says that this guy, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff, the the. The ones that have rejected him, the, the ones that don't, don't follow with unquenchable fire, you know that if Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit that gives life, you know there's also, by definition, going to be consequence for those who don't follow. We see two kinds of people, those who follow Jesus and those who need to follow Jesus. And when Jesus returns, some will find life and some will not. And then in verse 13, this camera shifts a little bit in the event. the event. And you see then that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John's been telling people, someone more powerful than I is going to come, and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. And then Jesus comes along, and Jordan looks up at him, and I I, I think John looks up at him, and I think John looks up, and he, he sees him, and he's like, there's the one that's more powerful than I am. He says, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me. I'm not worthy, he says. I can't compare to how great you are. But we know that Jesus is a different kind of king. And Jesus is going to submit to the kingdom the same way. So Jesus replies, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness. Remember, Jesus wants to fulfill the law, not destroy things. So John consented because Jesus is a different kind of king. And then we have this paragraph that describes one of the most beautiful moments in all of history. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. I love this moment because in this moment, Jesus, the Messiah, the King, comes and says, I'm going to submit just like everybody else. And he enters the water and he's baptized and he comes up out of the water. And in that moment, we see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove and land on his shoulder. And we hear a voice speak from heaven and say, this is my son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. And in that moment, you have the Father speaking, the Spirit descending, and the Son standing in the water, and you have every aspect of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You have all the character of God and all the fullness of God all together right there in that moment, and it's beautiful and it's incredible. The words of the Father, this is my Son, whom I love. With Him I'm well pleased I hear those, and I, I wonder, what did Jesus do to please the Father? And so I I, I go to flip back through the pages of the, the Bible, and I'm like, well, there's only been one so far, and Matthew here, and okay, so Jesus was born, um, they they took him when he was a baby to Egypt, to to escape when the baby boys were being killed, and then he came back. We read over here in other Gospels that you know, the temple thing, where he stayed there too long, and they went to get him, and they're like, where were you? He said, didn't you know i be in my Father's place? And they bring him back with them, and that's really all this happened. And I think but the Father says, but Jesus, I'm pleased with you. What did Jesus do to earn the pleasure of the Father? Surely he did a, a miracle or something great. But as I search and search, try as I may, I realize that up till this point, we have nothing recorded. Jesus has done nothing yet except commit to the kingdom. He's done nothing yet except stand in the water and submit himself to the kingdom. Nothing. And I am reminded that when you are baptized and when I am baptized, and we stand in the water and our past is full of brokenness and pain and regret, and we're lowered into the water. And that's all washed away. Gone. And we're raised out of the water. And the Holy Spirit comes to be inside of us. I reminded that baptism is a sign, it's a sign of humility and commitment and identity. And I every time I baptize someone, I can almost in my head hear the Father say, This is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. And as we walk out of the water, I try to remind everybody I baptize. Every time I'm with somebody, I try to remind them that when you come out of the water, you don't have to, contrary to popular opinion, you don't have to earn the love of God. You don't have to earn the, the favor of God. In fact, if you try, you will fail. You can't do enough to earn the love of the Father. But when you stand in that water and you humble yourself in confession and you change your thinking and commit to his kingdom instead of your own little kingdom, and you receive a new identity, and the Holy Spirit comes to be in you, and you stand there, and he says, You're my son, you're my daughter, but you're not just some some son or daughter, you're the son and the daughter of the king. That makes you royalty, and you have the authority of my kingdom. And I'm pleased with you. Baptism is a sign of humility and commitment, and identity. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to close by just sharing a few words with you. This is what he says to you, and then I'm going to offer the next step at the end. He says this. He says, so from now on, this is chapter 5, or 16 of Second Corinthians. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Remember I told you. At this church, we don't view people based on the color of their skin or the language they speak or the accent they have or the ethnicity or the finances or the education or which side of the tracks they live on. We don't judge by gender and by name. We don't view things that way. Paul says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We see people the way God sees people, followers of him and people who need to follow He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And he says that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are not a people that tear things down. We build things up. We bring things together. We don't separate. We bring wholeness to things and healing and embrace. And then Paul says, we are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his plea through us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And when you enter the water of baptism, and you confess in humility, and you change your thinking and commit to his kingdom, and you receive his Holy Spirit, he says you are no longer that person you used to be. That last name doesn't mean anything in my kingdom. Now you are my son, my daughter, my ambassador. And I'm sending you with a message of reconciliation and hope and healing and wholeness and love. So now go. You don't have to earn my love. I'm pleased with you before you do anything. But you are sent my message of reconciliation. This morning, if you've never followed Jesus, if you came in here and you heard me say off the bat, we, we see people as followers of Jesus and people who need to follow Jesus, and you say, I just don't, I've never followed Jesus. That's me over here. If that's you, then I want to invite you today to follow him. Today can be the day you can step into water and be baptized, and you can confess, I'm a sinner. You can change your thinking and commit to his cause. And you can receive a new identity. Today can be the day you start the conversation about that. If you never followed Jesus, then today I want to invite you to do that before you leave this place. If you are a follower of Jesus, then I want to remind you one last time. You don't need to earn the love of God. He loves you. And he's pleased with you because you committed to his kingdom and now you've been sent with a message so you're sent from this place when you walk out of your home later you go to your neighborhood you go to work you know that every building you walk into every room you step foot in every school you enter every neighborhood you drive into every church you walk into every place you go you are christ's ambassador and you take that message of reconciliation with you. And you walk in with a singular purpose like John the Baptist. You walk in, you say, you might think I'm a weirdo, but that's okay, because I do things different. Because I used to be a sinner, but I confessed that, and I changed my thinking, and I committed to a kingdom, and I have a new identity, and so I'm walking here today to invite you to change your thinking and Join the kingdom that's coming. That is what baptism is all about. I'm going to pray for us. After I pray, I'll invite you to stand and we'll sing one final song today as we respond to the words of Jesus. If you need to make a decision, then at the end, uh, you can go meet me at the Next Steps table in the lobby. I would love to talk and pray with you today. And If you're online right now, then you can just comment or message right now and say I need to talk and we will pray with you and meet with you right there let's pray together Father God I thank you for this morning I thank you that you have called us your own you have made us sons and daughters we could not earn it we could not buy it but you gave it And so, Father, I thank you for that. And I ask, Father, that you would continue to call us your own. Guide our steps. Give us opportunities so we can prepare the way for you. I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing one final song together today.